Pick up your paintbrush. It's time for Hobby Support Group. Good evening, Ed. Good evening, Tom. Hello, listeners. Ed is joining me this evening, and today we are going to be chatting wargaming shows, specifically our trip to Reading Warfare last weekend and the trip Andy and I made earlier last month to Solweg. Andy's not joining us this evening, but luckily Ed has stepped into his shoes. So here we go. So before we get started, Ed, the first biting question of the evening, as you know, we are recording tonight on a Friday evening. Do you have a beverage ready? So my local co-op clearly had some kind of issue when they were having their Goose Island IPA delivered because uh, there's some very soggy boxes that have been uh, sellotaped up on the uh, clearance aisle. So I've been drinking a lot of cheap Goose Island IPA because uh, the boxes were damaged. You can't say no to that. So I'm just finishing a Goose Island IPA. Not bad. I am uh, finishing off some Iron Brew Extra. Ooh. What's the extra? It's a sugar-free version. So it's, it, oh. it, it, it should actually be like Iron Brew lacking, but they just... <laughs> Iron Brew Extra, it just makes it, I think, probably more sellable. Indeed, it's a negative space of uh, Iron Brew. <laughs> Start off with Warfare, from which we went to last Saturday, and short, brief review, really liked it. I think, it, for, for me, I think it really reinvigorated my enjoyment of the, like, the War Games show, rather than, like, the War Games event. But I think since we started doing the podcast, it's the fifth show I think I've been to. And it's made me want to go to more of them. It's made me want to go to, to more shows and a, experience more of the different kinds of shows. Because I think, and sort of building on really a little bit of what I was talking about with Leon last week, is that a lot of the shows have a different bit of, have a different flavour. And they do sort of different things like, Salute is salute. It's an order of magnitude of its own thing. The Joy of Six was an absolutely smashing sort of event to sort of really to talk to people and see, you know, engage with like the joy of small scale gaming. Selwig was a shopping trip, really, with some interesting looking games. And Warfare to me just seemed to be like a great mix of that. You can go look at the toys, buy toys. There's also just hundreds of games being played. Yeah. And I think the idea of like this is both like a a show where, you know, most of the big suppliers and most of the familiar people are there, but also it's a massive tournament at the same time. Was I think quite enjoyable. And it, it's it's like I've not seen before, because it was like you're going to a massive GT where you've got loads of different games being played, twinned with something not a million times smaller than Absolute, really, Paul. Yeah. I mean, you, you come into the venue through um, the room where I think about 75% of the stalls are. Um, and so I thought, OK, this is a reasonably sized event. And then we went into the second room where there was more stalls and loads of uh, t- uh, tables of games. And I thought to myself, oh, it's like an aircraft hangar in here. And then I realised that's because it's a literal aircraft hangar. Yeah, <laughs> I think... Straight off the bat, I would say it's both really easy to get, like, from central London, it's very easy to get to, 
and a little bit of a pain in that you know it was I think 16 pounds return on the train I it was like just under two hours round trip from like the we left like the exhibition hall at about quarter to four and I was back in my house by about quarter to six yeah I, and I you live in West London don't you? I live in West London so it, you know it, it wasn't it was easy to get to it was the most difficult bit really of the journey was the mile mile and a half from the train station to the event center which is on a airfield and it, although it is a, a, a proper exhibition center it is not the easiest place to find or definitely walk to i think i would definitely put like felix Dope as like the least pedestrian friendly town i think i've ever been to i don't know would, would you agree yeah just saying i i'm in mean, no way holding the organizers of the show responsible for you know the civil planning of the town but it is luckily we managed to find it with google maps and we just sort of walked down what looked like a, a dead end and then through a chain what we thought was a solid chain link fence which there was a hole in which we got through and just we were going to randomly now it seems to walk into it an airfield but then someone sort of like waved us on you know coming in and away you go um i've heard some of our other friends who went somebody got a taxi and somebody else catched a lift and i found that it's actually a an easier way to do it but it's slightly more obviously more expensive but i think once you know now we know where it is i would at a job for hat go next year and recommend people it's easy to get to once you know where you're going would yeah you agree I, I completely agree yeah I mean it was just uh, amusing how anti-pedestrian they, they'd organized this bit of the town but um if you've got good google maps and if you're feeling you know like you're okay with a 40 minute walk then then go for it but probably the smartest thing to do is either get a lift or go go on a taxi yeah I think saying that I think although it is out of London I would, in a way, still class it really as a London show because it's, it's so easy. Yeah. To to sort of get to, and to be honest, it it, it was a l much easier journey to get to there than it is where I've been to, like, you know, events put on by the South London Wall or just in like the south of London. You know, it was easy yes. to get to Warfare than it was to get to Lewisham. Yeah, know? yeah. South London Warlords are in a weird kind of nook in the middle of South London. I, I used to live in Peckham, so I. But even for Peckham, it was kind of a weird route. But um, yeah, it's it, through from Waterloo. Um, it was relatively easy to get transport to, to get to the venue, um, notwithstanding the um, uh, weird walk that we did. I think uh, you described it quite well. You know, we sort of you go into the what I suppose we'd say is like the main vendor hall. Yeah, which had a good mix of secondhand minis, a massive bring and buy. Yeah, you know, people selling history books, Osprey books, board games, variety of new games. You know, all the a lot of the companies you sort of normally sort of used to seeing, and some companies that I'd not seen before. In that you could talk about everything from you know a mat to army cases to sort of everything really, and in in a whole range of scales. We had a number of uh, interesting chats with vendors, including just 
people who are selling um, the secondhand stuff. So their collection of um, old wargaming books uh, had an interesting chat with a guy who was uh, selling a kind of a, a, a couple of 1970s kind of small rule books. Um, and so it was, it was nice to chat with um, people who've been in uh, uh, hobbying for, for a sort of longer period of time. I mean, the um, bring and buy, uh, uh, I think people who've been to a wargaming uh, event before will know that it can be a bit of a bear pit. It was well run, I felt, but I also, when I came in, went, I don't want to bother myself with that particular aspect of things. I'd rather take the time to go around the stalls that are originally there, that they're specifically, um, uh, you know, go around the stalls that don't have a bunch of people sort of hoarding around. Uh, but um, uh, yeah, it, it, there was a lot there and a lot of variety, which I thought was great. Yeah, I think I would say like the definitely sort of for the bring and buy, it was as well run, I think, as any bring and buy you can possibly sort of set up. You know, it was huge. They had a lot of people running it and it was pretty well organized. You know, things had a ticket on, you know, you got the price, you went and you went and paid. Yeah, they're not war games shows bring and buys aren't really for me because yeah. I found sort of once you've looked at three of them, whatever is on the next 347 that you look at, it's more or less the same. And it's like, yeah, some more space marines or some <laughs> random like 15 mil World War Two stuff. Or like, here's like 18, you know, Prussian Jaegers in some like weird esoteric scale. They go, they're really quite cool. But what do I do with just like 18 of them when you know they're not an army? So yeah, the, the bring and buy wasn't for me. But I know it's I know they're a big draw for a lot of people. And I think it was sort of what you mentioned there about you know how we were having like good chats with some of the, like the vendors who were selling stuff you know like i picked up a couple of 70s like english civil war rule sets or one of the the guy i bought them off was like, oh i can remember these coming out there was you know so like a really nice simple rule set and i purposely bought it because i, I like collecting those rule sets with four million tables and i thought you know the, the the quick like the easy read like the quick reference table on the back is you know here's your three types of movement for your infantry in nine different combinations you've got like a three by three table just for your movement racing for for infantry i thought this is nice and simple we're going to have some fun with it yeah definitely up for playing that in the new year i would say yeah we we will you know listeners keep in check for ed and tom's historic rules writing and i also managed to put another sort of cherry in the donald featherstone book collecting route with the Donald Featherstone Guide to Military Modelling, which uh, had a quick flick through. One of the first things is how to build a diorama in an unused brandy glass. So th that immediately got purchased and, and is now on the shelf because you know, don't we all have brandy glasses knocking about that are just screaming to have a diorama put inside them? Uh, I am now probably going to be scouring charity shops to try and find some brandy glasses. Yeah. Make make sure if you're you're using a brandy glass, you're not using anything that your partner might be particularly attached to, because uh, no one wants to open the the the, the, uh, the drinks cabinets and suddenly find that their brandy glasses have been turned into. The retreat uh, from Moscow. I don't know. Yeah. I think I, I I think you know the retreat from Moscow in like 
six tableaus inside your brandy glass, I think would be quite a good accoutrement to the drinks cabinet. Yes. Oh, it's, certainly. It's a party piece. Um, yeah, but I, th- I think also, I think it was probably, I think of, of all the shows I've been to apart from Salute, I think it was probably the most eclectic in that there was stuff from every scale, every type of game, every genre of game was well represented. It wasn't just like there's one small scale person here. You know, there's there wasn't like there's one 15 mil dude. There's like one World War Two dude. It's like it's all sci-fi. It's all fantasy. There was every, you know, it, it was almost a, a case of like you think of you, you run it through a list of your head of like, well, who were the manufacturers for the various different scales? It's easier to think of sort of like who wasn't there. And I think like the, the people who sort of like jump out who, who like weren't there in a major presence is probably Perry's for 28 mil. Yeah. Um, although you could, there were several people selling Perry stuff. Um, 2D6 Wargaming weren't there for the, the six mil stuff. And I don't think Irregular were there. But everybody else pretty much was. Um, yeah. You know, got a chat with Peter from Bacchus and the guy who does the MDF flats, whose name I've completely forgotten. Apologies. One of the revelations for me really was going to look over the 172.co.uk stall, which you, you sort of informed me as you are the sort of like 172 person in our group had pretty much every make and model manufacturer of 172 models on his stall. Yeah. And I have for you know the best part of a year been on the lookout for some German East Africa theatre figures for a project I want to do. Haven't really been wedded to a scale for what I wanted to do it. So I just was, you know, clancing over his stores when you realise he's got Ascari, he's got like King's African Rifles, he's got Schutz Trooper, and he had everything I wanted. So they were put, purchased and are now in my home awaiting paint. And they were like 20 quid for two forces of them. So, you know, really good for that. And I think that was one of the, the like, the joys of the show really was actually going to look at those models in the flesh and actually going, you know, I didn't really know these existed. And yeah. ev- even through like the, the power of social media and stuff, it, it was still a surprise to go, actually, I just didn't know they existed, so I wouldn't have bothered looking for them. Like, I, I, I genuinely didn't even know hat miniatures were a thing. I thought, and this is my complete ignorance, I really thought 172 was basically Airfix and the older kits that were all very long in the tooth and you know they, they sort of had in a way like a part of the joy and appeal of 172 gaming was the slight chunkiness of the figures didn't realize they're actually like current manufacturers who are making absolutely stunning 172 figures and are really cost effective which yeah is I, 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 yeah it, it, it's it's a um hats are really good um the uh, i mean i got into this scale because of uh, my dad's airfix collection which i got hold of 
and uh, I was looking for uh, models to kind of complement that that uh, uh, sort of range. And Cheltenham Model Shop, which I understand is still going, um, which used to be my hometown. It's still my hometown, but my parents moved away, so I rarely get to go there now. But uh, I remember going one Christmas and uh, picking up a, hat, a box of hat miniatures, working out that it was the same scale. And the thing that I that, that drew my attention to this stall uh, at the weekend was they got ranked some ranks of hat. They've got these very um, prominent uh, uh, yellow um, boxes. The, the design on the, around the edges is yellow with big black uh, uh, letters, hat. So um, uh, I immediately kind of made a beeline. And I went, oh, they've got all the hat stuff, which um, I sort of ordered either through Amazon or uh, from various independent retailers because they're an American company. Um, and looking at the hat, I was like, I've never seen this many hats, uh, boxes of hat miniatures all in one place at the same time. And then I was like, ah, but they've also got the other um, collection uh, 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 manufacturers as well. Uh, and pretty much all of the, pe- uh, the, the companies that do plastics at that scale were, were as part of that guy's stall and we had a good chat with him as well um so yeah i can definitely recommend him as a retailer yeah i think also what i really liked about warfare was not only was it a really good retail setup in that there was plenty of room between all the aisles the stalls were all relatively big so people had plenty of space you could get around but also the gaming was you know it wasn't intermixed with it all, so you could go and get, you could go and play the games, and you actually had plenty of room to play the games. You weren't sort of like either in the middle of aisles or, or games weren't lost. There was like some relatively clear, like delineation between this is the gaming space, like this is the, the buying space, this is the like participation gaming space, and then these are where the various tournaments are. And like one of like my gaming highlights of you know recent years was finally got to play on Charles's engine board for uh what was it a good hour or so do you think we played on it yeah i think um, it was yeah yeah i apologies for anybody who played over the rest of the weekend because we got there early on saturday morning and i'm pretty sure my dice rolling severely hampered the chinese efforts for the rest of the weekend uh was good to have you know third party verification whereas i say i i had the ability to roll bad dice carries over even at events uh four three turns of rolling four activation dice got eight ones um that's yeah 12 dice rolling eight ones is not bad odds eight ones two sixes and then i think the others might have been like two or threes but with the negative with the modifiers they were also characters as ones so <laughs> it was it was impressive i mean i wasn't rolling that well either but um yeah, the, the, the um, you just kept rolling ones. Apparently, Charles said it was the worst anybody has ever done. <laughs> as it, it, he has never seen anybody do as badly. I think we were, I think the Chinese were technically like two hours behind schedule after about two and a quarter hours. It was, I, I think, I think we might have played three hours and they were about two hours behind. Um, that was also after me making the tactical decision to attack, like, the far left flank which also apparently nobody has ever done before either so you know i mean i'm interested hopefully going to have a chat with charles in the new year when the board has been set up in its new permanent home in a museum we'll sort of chat more about it there but i would be 
interested to know, you know did were the Chinese able to recover from the rest of the day? But also for, for me, what was also a, a first really was actually properly playing a game like that at a show. Because normally I've seen like been to lots of shows, looked at games, maybe chatted to the person who is running them for a little bit. Like when we're at Joy of Six, I had a really great chat with Pierre, but I didn't really play his game because it, it, it's never sort of really appealed to me that much. Just I'll oh, come in and roll dice for half an hour or, or it's just, it just doesn't really sort of, you know. I'm always sort of doing something at shows. It's never really like either like wait around here for like an hour till it's a spot to come in or I'm doing something, don't really want to spend half a day playing this one game, not seeing at the show. But I think Warfare was slightly different in that. Like I'd primarily gone there to play that game. And could quite easily have spent all day playing it to the point that I had to say, okay, thank you very much, Charles, but I think we'd better, you know, crack on, otherwise we're not going to see the rest of the show, which I then need to sort of talk about. So I think uh, it, it did sort of make me think more positively about the future of maybe going to some of the events in the future, which are just more, you just play loads of games, which I think is more like the when you went to the Bring Out Your Lead event, which is very much just playing games, which I, I think is something I, I would like to do more. And it, it's in speaking with more people in the hobby, a lot of the shows, a lot of the, the shows, like the more established shows seem to have their own like unique selling point or their own flavor that sort of does things you know, like partisan seems to be the one with all the bells and whistles where people really showcase like the amazing games you know this this that seems to be the you know the the true eye candy sort of thing i think you know joy of six it's all about the tiny scale stuff you know as i've said you know salute's probably the biggest shopping day of the year toy soldiers and almost everyone's there you know warfare seemed to be a great combination of them both now i think warfare also i think was probably like a maybe like a, a good example of how you managed to sort of bring a lot more like the different aspects of the hobby together because there was like you know there was a lot of historical players there there were like historical tournaments going on but there's also people playing Infinity and 40k and Age of Sigmar and you know it, it wasn't you know the GW fans weren't casting funny looks at everyone else and everyone else wasn't casting funny looks at the GW fans it was one of the, the weird sort of it was it was a good like mixing melting pot would you agree yeah, yeah. I, I I had a chat with a couple of people who were um on the tournament side of things while I was waiting for my uh, food um and um i mean we didn't realize that jb was there until he posted about it on our uh uh not the hobby support group uh facebook a, a separate one for the hackney area tabletop enthusiasts i was like oh no you were there yeah uh, it, so, it, it, yeah. it proves how big a, how big the aircraft hangar was but yes we, we, didn't, we, we didn't realize apparently there were several people walking around in our club t-shirts didn't see one of them um yeah um I think it's over two days, isn't it? The tournament side. It of was, yeah, it was. Yeah, the whole, the whole thing, the whole, sh the whole thing was two days. You could sort of turn, you could turn up to sort of like do day one or day two as a punter, 
but I think all all the trades and stuff were there for two days. Yes. And I, I think the tournaments was there for two days as well. Uh, I do know on the Infinity side, JB said they had trophies and the price support was really good. Oh, good. And he said sort of like, and he said that's really rare, especially having like trophies and stuff for an Infinity tournament. He said, you know, the price support was really good. So give them props to that one. Um, now, I, I think next year I could possibly be tempted to maybe go and play a game there. Um, like I'll see maybe if there's any of games that are running like one day events yeah. rather than two because I'm too old and decrepit to want to do two days of gaming these days, really. Yeah, and I think it's... Um, I've been to some events where the gaming tables are kind of in... You, you go past them to go to the shops and um that can sometimes mean that you get people kind of filing past rather than having the space to kind of participate in the game you, uh, you might i guess get more passing interest as people walk past but at the same time you may feel a bit inhibited from kind of getting set into a game because when we were playing uh, on charles's board um we had people coming up and we, we sort of chatted with uh, with with people but it didn't feel like people were kind of filing past it was like people came out of curiosity to see what the game was. No, it, it, uh, it, yeah, yeah it, it felt to me when we were playing that game, in a way, much more like we were in like a club gaming space. Yes. Yeah, in yeah. that people are, were like filing past, but in a way like they do in, when we're at the club, like they, would keep, they weren't sort of, it wasn't like we were playing in the middle of a supermarket and people are just yeah. trying to get to the six eggs that they're allowed to buy this week it, it, it felt like, i think that's the thing i liked because i think the other shows i've been to which mix like a lot of shopping with gaming very much seem to have like either like the gaming tables are like in the middle of the rows between the shops the stalls or they're there to sort of they're positioned as a way of sort of getting some footfall try and get a bit more eye candy between them so they can sort of feel a little bit sort of either sort of squidged in or you're sort of a bit in the way or you just can't actually ever get around the table to see what's going on because once you're sort of like one person as soon as you're like two people deep around the table you can't see anything can you and I think I really liked how they had enough space to sort of separate everything out and you could, and you were able to then sort of like slowly meander around all those demo games and actually hear and talk to the people that were running the games. Because even though there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the hall, you could still hear each other, still hear each other talk and actually have like conversations around the games. Because like lots of the people we spoke to who were running their games, as is in true Wargamer fashion, were really enthusiastic about talking about their aspect of the game. And you could actually have a proper conversation with them. Whereas sometimes at some of the other shows, you end up sort of having to do a bit of like interpretive dance, such sort of sign language, sort of try and get over exactly what you're sort of talking about over the crowd of like 10,000 people. Yeah. Um, do you think, would, does that sort of like ring true? Because I guess the acoustics were pretty good for what wasn't essentially almost an aircraft hangar. I think would it, it originally have been an aircraft hangar? I think, kind of, yeah. I, I think it actually still isn't literally is still an aircraft hangar. Yeah. Because I think it's still got 
I think in a pinch, yeah, it becomes an aircraft hangar. Okay. Um, this is like not the most important detail of the, of, of the event. It's just I was a bit confused thinking to myself about could you get an airplane in there? You'd have to no, get the nerds out first, obviously. But yeah. You know, I think it, it 100% was an aircraft hangar. Right. But I still think from what I remember looking down the far end, I think it actually still is an aircraft hangar as well. Right. When not in use as an exhibition centre. But the yeah, I mean, the acoustics were good, I guess, is, is, is the point. It, it didn't feel particularly echoey or... or, or um, yeah, so so I think the um, the way it was laid out, the kind of um, vibe of the place was really good. Yeah, I think I think it did a really good job of being a relatively. It, it was to be honest, it was a huge show. Yeah, it was a huge show, but in no way felt soulless. Yes, it it, it didn't feel soulless by being in a literal aircraft hangar and worked really well and i think like being super picky possibly like maybe they weren't the like the like service infrastructure wasn't maybe fully geared up for how much food you know several hundred nerds are going to order want to order at lunchtime that again is not the organizer's fault and even then there was plenty of communication with the like the wait for food Yes, and that's what I think. Was, you could yeah. get, and it wasn't ridiculously expensive. No, I think next next time I'll definitely bring a sandwich because. Yeah. It, it, but the food that I had was good when it arrived, and uh, it was partly my, my being slightly confused about the queuing system. I think was the, the wrinkle in the process. So it was probably more to do with me than it was to do with them. Uh, but uh, but yeah, the the food was fine, and they had coffee and beer and such. Uh, but I think personally, next time I'll I'll, I'll just bring a, a light snack. I think. I think that's a, a, a great endorsement of it, really, isn't it? We're both going to go again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I just to go back onto the food and uh, amenity side, um, there's one kind of food venue, uh, and I guess I'm maybe a bit spoilt when you go to Salutes. There's a bunch of expensive places that you can go and eat. So um, I was kind of thinking, oh, well, I can just walk out and it'll be quick and i'll walk back in again which so so just bear in mind that there is one place really to eat um but uh you know on balance I, you know it was, it was it was not an unpleasant experience and i got to chat to some 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 people on the tournament side of things uh so and they they seemed happy with how that side of things was going so so yeah yeah i think this was also its first year since it's moved to that new venue right right and i you know Give them a round of applause. I think it was a cracking show. I think it, it was a great setup. I think it's, you know, a, a brilliant venue. I would say it's actually better. It's, you know, despite the civil infrastructure trying to get there, it's almost a better space than Excel Center, mm-hmm. really, for actually how the, the, the place worked because it seemed to have a better flow and, and work and was better set out. Um, and I don't, I I have no idea the actual size of things, but how much smaller would you think it was than Salute, really? I'm going to guess and maybe say maybe two-thirds the size. Does that sound reasonable to you? Yeah, I mean, Bear in mind, last time we went to Salute was kind of the end of COVID restrictions, and I think there was maybe a bit of kind of 
uh, it'll take till the next salute for it to be back to quote unquote normal. Normal, uh, yeah, I, I, I think. Um, so I think there were maybe some games that got cancelled because of uh, COVID restraints uh, uh, last time we did salute. Um, so it's a bit not comparing like for like, but um, in terms of the size of the venue, yeah, it's like I, I, I reckon. Yeah, the, the thing of the weekend was about two thirds the size of the XL Center. Yeah, I, I, I would say, like I could easily see in time it becoming an event that's like on par. Yeah, with 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 salute, it like it isn't salute, but nor is it. I think nor would I describe it as like a small regional show. Certainly not. No, I think it's it's you know it's much bigger than that. Um, which is probably a good place to jump into to have a quick chat about Selwig. Yeah, that me and Andy went to earlier this month, earlier last month, and that was a fun day. I think that is a show that I would very much describe as a smaller show, still pretty big. It was at a sports centre, quite a few familiar names, but also quite a few people who weren't there. I know this is a really useful description. Um, And it was a pretty good shopping experience if you wanted to pick up anything. I bought a few secondhand Osprey books because who doesn't need few Osprey books in their life. Um, of course. Our friend, our friend Jack, uh, I think, did his yearly restock on ABC brushes. <laughs> and uh, as of where we go. And I think for, for people, especially in North London, it was relatively easy to get to. And like one of the, the, the like the best props things that you know, Selwick had done to sort of facilitate people getting to their venue, which was a leisure centre a little bit in the middle of nowhere, if North London has the middle of nowhere, is that they'd put on a free minibus that went from the nearest major station to the venue. There was just like a shuttle bus. So you just sort of like on and off there all day. I think they were probably, that worked, I think, because it was a show that was, you know, an order of magnitude or two smaller than Warfare. Um, Like, I've got no idea the actual numbers of people who went through the doors in either shows. But, you know, like, Selwig was busy. But I imagine that footfall was in the mid-hundreds. And I would imagine Warfare was in the thousands over over the weekend. Um, Selwig did feel to me much more like a shopping trip. There was some really interesting and fun to look at participation games or demo games but in, uh, like uh, the eccentric man and lost dot games had put on a cool like bolt action game i think i think that one best participation game but it was much more you know there was a bring and buy there i think it was more like you went along you bought some bits and bobs and then you sort of went i think me and Dean and jack were there i think we were probably there two hours maybe maybe two and a half hours it was like it was a good fun two and a half hours but it wasn't really necessarily like a day out yeah whereas i think you know it, and the the games there were more of the kind of well not rather than have like a third row of stalls in this area we'll take that row of stalls out and we'll put some tables in for the demo tables 
So it was sort of like it was possible in a way to sort of miss the odd demo game because you were sort of wandering around. You go, oh, I didn't notice that game between the stalls. But I just think I don't think there was a, a way around that because of the venue because it, it was in a sports centre, sort of like actually like a athletics arena, so like an, an indoor arena. So it's actually sort of like set up, sort of inside the running track area of like a, a, a sports centre. A uh, lot of sort of catering had been put on outside the venue. I think there was four or five different catering vans that were doing different kinds of street food. Okay. So you had plenty of options there. Uh, again, you know, plenty of staff run hand, you know, running the bring and buy. You know, had any queries to tell you where to go, tell you where to catch the bus to get you down to the station. Was nice and relatively cheap to get in. Well run, I think it, it. It just for me, it asked the question of when you buy everything online and you see everything online. Is there much point just going to a show to buy stuff? And at Selwig, I'm going to say the answer was not really. Yeah. I think because it was more. I didn't see anything that I really didn't know existed and really wanted. And it's like, oh, I've really sort of glad I went. Despite actually they're seeing some 172 Jacobite Rebellion figures, which go were really nice. And very nearly came home with a 172 Jacobite army. But then I thought I stopped myself because I thought you don't want to be painting hundreds of Jacobites. You know, that's that's quite a lot of tartan. Yeah, tiny tartan as well. You know, tiny tartan. But tartan that I think is sort of like big enough where you can't just like phone it in like you can on six and ten <laughs> mil. It's like it's tried. We'll give him credit for that. So now this is this is big enough where you've actually got to do little checks, and that just I didn't think sounded fun. But then you know, and it's why we didn't really record uh, a review of Selvig immediately afterwards because I enjoyed it. But I didn't want to sound sort of like negative about, well, it's it's great to go and like, do you like shopping? Go shopping. Mm. Um, and it, it was fun to see my friends. And, you know, they'd put on like, they couldn't have organised and run a better show. It was a really yeah. well-run show. But then going to Warfare and just seeing some of the stuff that I, even though I, you know, I can easily buy off the internet if I know it's there. But it's impossible to follow like every hobby blog, speak to every gamer and nerd that's out there to find out what's going on. And, you know, it's a, it builds on from, from going to the Joy of Six and actually getting to meet Charles. And, you know, now I'm chatted with him quite a bit. And, you know, he's been on the show and he joins our hobby hangout sometimes. That That's simply because meeting him at the show and getting to talk to him. If it hadn't been for that, I'd have only known the engine board through the article a few months ago the two articles he's, he's had in war games illustrated yeah from it so i i think you know going to shows to meet people it's brilliant um and i think it's it's the people really that make this hobby and like, yeah you know, it, it it was great to have a chat with peter again you know hopefully he's going to come on the show again next year you know tell us what Bacchus has been up to i think is i think is uh Commerce was to wait till he's failed in his predictions list for <laughs> this year, and then we can hold him to task for that. But I think sort of like since I've started doing the podcast, the more I sort of actually think and like 
plan the episodes and stuff and, and you know uh, hopefully not speaking out of turn for Andy in this regard because he's not here but I'm going to speak for him anyway is that idea that it's really it, it's the people that make our hobby and it's it, it you know won't either that be like an opponent somebody who like enthuses you with something or it's just somebody else's passion because I think you know and you know, I don't know if, if you agree with this, but you know, when you meet people and you talk to people and they're very passionate or enthusiastic about something, even if it's a topic or like a, a conflict or a, a genre of game that you don't really give two hoots about, you can actually yeah. find yourself sort of being inspired and sort of drawn in by it and actually going, if this is so good to sort of like animate and sort of like enthrall this person so much, I'm going to check it out because it actually sort of sounds really fun and like, my the example I go on about all the time is now the Great Northern War. Yes, yeah, yeah. Talking about with Pear about it, you know, he chatted about it was for maybe like forty five minutes an hour. I'd known going before that conversation, I had known nothing about the Great Northern War. It was a war, Sweden sort of it like broke Sweden as like a dominant power kind of. That's all I knew. Um, after that, came home, sold a kidney, and bought a load of books. <laughs> to read more on the Great Northern Wars, I thought I need to learn more about this. Um, and it's similar whenever I speak to Bob about the Spanish Civil War, or now we have you know, Germany, East Africa has now been added to our conversation topics that we will chat about. But it, it, does that sort of ring true for you as well? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's two examples I can think of. The first is going back to JB. Uh, there is no way I will ever play Infinity. It's just not my cup of tea. But I'm always interested listening to him and Aiden and all the other people that we know that play Infinity because of their enthusiasm and their kind of, you know, uh, engagement with that. Um, not only the, the 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 system, but also the law behind it and the um, uh, the company itself. Which it it, it seems, you know, that, that it, it's not definitely not my cup of tea. But the way that they're interested in it, it's always an interesting conversation. The other thing was we were having a conversation with a guy from the Society of Ancients. Is that the name of the organisation? Yeah, I was, I was going. Yeah. I was going. But he, he was. I was thinking. I was. Yeah, you know, I hadn't been particularly interested in the, what we were particularly talking about with him. But then, you know, again, came back. I was looking through my library. What have I got to self learn more about this? With and again, it would you know, be able to actually have a an in-depth conversation at a big exhibition was really fun. Yeah, yeah. Was it um, Roman pottery in Han China? And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Mongolians and stuff. Fascinating. Well, I think, do you have anything else to add to this sort of rather tangent-filled review of Warfare and, and Selwood gaming shows, which sort of goes as far as, you know, Roman pottery in Han China. I think I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> we we go from red into Felix so to you know Mongolian China. Um, I think is is it, 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 it that could be a good tangent. It, we might have to start uh, thinking of like how far can we stretch a hobby sport group tangent? I think that's, yes, no, well that's a challenge. That's um, a good one. We 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 used to have these um, sort of painting uh, sessions at the uh, uh, Hackney uh, Club. And um, we did have these wide ranging conversations. And for some reason, it always ended up, uh, we always ended up talking about 
trepanning. Um, <laughs> both in ancient cultures, uh, in ancient cultures, and weird hippies in the sixties who decided they'd have a go with a Black and Decker. Um, sorry, that <laughs> that's a lower the tone. Um, yeah, so we haven't spoken about trepanning, which is for, or trepanning, if you will. Uh, but no, I um. I guess the one serious point I'd make is that um, if you go to one of these events, uh, especially if you're relatively new to them, um, don't feel uh, shy about talking to people. Um, even if you'll always have an interesting conversation, even if it's a period or a game that you're not massively into, um, my enjoyment of these events has definitely been heightened by having chats with folk. I, I, I think that is really the the thing that you get from these events, as well as occasionally seeing a, 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 a stall that you've or, or a, a manufacturer you may not have seen before, um, it, it, it's those interesting conversations that I think really um, are what makes these events worth going to. I yeah, okay, Catra, I think completely agree. I think it, I think it's getting to meet people, getting to sort of like some of their enthusiasm rub off on you but also some of their expertise yes and, yeah. and like you, you quite often like every time you see people you know you might learn something or pick up something new or you know this time we were looking at at, at the Bacchus booth like I've been very waxerical about how much I like the English Civil War Battalion setups that they got up but this time I saw some goals that Peter had based up that are sort of like on a he's made it very much like a, a 3D base for them. So they looked like they're charging down the hill. Which and they're just sort of like units of goals. Which are a really interesting way of when you're playing lots of ancient games and you have warband units. They're like the standard way of representing a warband is just to have like, you know, if your your Roman legionnaires have got 50 dudes in a unit your warband's got like 200 he's you know you've got loads more of them whereas the way he'd done it was by, by positioning making these like milliput hills like banks that they looked like they were charging down you'd sort of got a much more dynamic looking unit without actually just having to have your entire like square millimeter of your base filled with you know an actual a massive there's still loads of minis on there so it was it still looked like a full horde, but it's just rather going, you know, instead of having 200 models on this base, you've got 100, but you've you've put the time and effort in that of instead of painting that other 100, you've built some like banks, which in the scale are probably like 30, 40 feet high, but just look really impressive as the units sort of like running down. And it, it just sort of like, it made you think, oh, so you, you're playing these, with these it's just always going to look like whenever they come together yeah the gauls are like charging down this bank smashing into the romans just looks really nice it made me think because i'm working on some six mil zulu war stuff at the minute i might do some of like the the opposite way around and have some of the zulus attacking up the hill which mm -hmm. sort of makes it a bit more realistic how you can like have the British survived like 20 to 1 odds because you know they were on the top of a mountain range it makes things a little bit easier but it was sort of like that sort of thing of like playing around with like topography and terrain on the very bases themselves 
which I'd never really thought about before until I'd actually seen them on Peter's stall last weekend and go, actually, that's quite a clever idea. I'm going to directly steal that. I, I did something quite, I mean, a lot more haphazard and amateurish, uh, but with my snotlings uh, for, fan, for fantasy, I put them all on a, on a rock and poking at them, put a little puddle with them fighting in. But this was like a different, whole different ballpark, you know. Uh, it, and it looked really, really impressive. No, I think I think I, I've done the same with Snotlings. I've had them on like tops of walls, barrels, all sorts. Primarily because I was using for a long time. I was using them like as I uh, would had like some of the Snotlings with you know the, the ones with like the cannons and stuff. The, the, the sorry, the the Snotlings with the catapults and that sort of stuff. I had a load of those on barrels and walls, and I was mm-hmm. using them as like mega knobs and all sorts so just getting them the right size <laughs> it's just really it's a really good shot with that catapult so sort of just wanted to, and because it was 40k I needed to make them sort of like at least the right size sure so you know he's, he's just there sat on a wall or sat on a rock he just thinks is you know that 45 gallon oil drum that he's sat on just happens to be his mega armor he just moves around his because i mean it's um i mean we, we would uh, the thing about snotlings is you're looking to make them look as ludicrous as possible. But at the same time, it's a similar kind of technique if you're trying to do something which gives miniatures dynamism. And there's no reason why you can't translate that kind of experiments that you do in fantasy and sci-fi miniatures into historical stuff. Historical stuff doesn't need to be, you know, kind of all... It doesn't have to be more quote-unquote serious and everything's more staid. You can do interesting stuff with with bases and and such as you will see at various different events, you know. Well, yeah, I, I think like one of the great things about going to events is seeing like the big historical armies in their like full panoply because there was an Italian Wars game there that looked stunning. Absolutely, was, yeah. You know, like hundreds, if not thousands, of 28 mil figures in their like full Renaissance pomp and finery you know a dandier hat and fancier flag you're not going to find <laughs> sort of anywhere and sort of seeing you know and then sort of like you know oh there's this and then you look to the left and then the, the, or here's like you know battle of ipsis or something else you know like here's like the chariot game then you move around and, and then you know you look over there and there's some colonial marines blasting off some aliens it's 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 these it's, it's pure eye candy. It's, yeah, yeah, and it's all these ideas you can nick. I'm going to say bless you. We don't have to put that in the recording. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I feel like I can't not say bless you when you sneeze. Oh, that was that was a really disappointing sneeze. You know when you know like <laughs> you get a pre warning that you're going to sneeze, so you're like, okay, I'm going to mute because it's going to be a really it's going to be a sneeze, and then you sort of go, <laughs> so us. That's 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 no payoff. Um, no. No, yeah, I think that's sort of like taking something that you like and nicking it. It's part and part of the hobby, isn't it? And you, you see somebody and you go, oh, "I really like how you did the bases. How did you do that?" Never once have I had somebody go, "I'm not telling you." <laughs> they will, you know, they, they 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 may then go into like a 45 minute diatribe of how they did the bases, and you may go. That's a bit too much information, but they're, they're never, people like 
people take their toys to these places to show them off. They want to talk about them. And, you know, if, if you've built an army for something, it's probably because you're interested in it and they will happily talk about it. And it could be, you know, yeah, this is, you know, the Black Prince's column who's just going around burning some villages to this is like a White Scars intercession squad or something. It's it's what appeals to them. They will happily chat about it. And if you see something, you go, that looks really fun. What is it? Yeah, they'll tell you. And then you go, yeah. well, I really like the look of like Italian war stuff. What was the Italian wars? And then they will give you probably a potted history of the Italian wars in, you know, as much detail as you want. And you go, well, I didn't know anything about that. You go next door to the guy selling the Osprey books. You find your Osprey book on the Italian wars. And then before you know it, you're reading Hawkwood. And you go, well, I've, I've now got to, you know, you start thinking of what games can I ransom popes in. Um, <laughs> so, well, I think that will wrap us up for this evening. I think, Ed, we've, you know, we've got back from Han China to now Pope hostages. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I think maybe we'll have to now, maybe the Italian wars will have to go in with the War of the Spanish Succession as things that Tom really wants to do and talks about, but never actually pulls the trigger on. Uh, and the, the closest I've got to the Italian Wars is a Landeschlecht Frostgrave warband because I figured it gave me an excuse to buy some of the nice Perry's Landeschlechts and paint them up, but it only had to do like 12 rather right. than like a few hundred. Because I think after, I think by the time you've done like your 50th like slashed frilly pantaloon, you, you might be sort of a bit fed up of them. Um, I don't know. That, I, I think that's that's um, uh, no uh, great confession. I think we, we could. <laughs> we could all, we, I think that, that I, I can imagine. I think the um, if we're talking about uh, things that um, we will talk about but probably never do, um, you can chalk up the French invasion of Mexico, uh, the Maximilian adventure for me. I would say maybe someday oh, okay. I'll do it. I, I had to learn far more about the Maximilian affair than I would have really ever intended to have learned a few years ago when I had to uh, like re-edit and write, rewrite a book for somebody that was sort of set during the Maximilian affair, which is a story for another day. Thank you very much, Ed. See you all soon, listeners, and join us for the Hobby Support Group Hobby Hangout. Check on the Facebook page for the Zoom link. It will be the first Sunday in December. Uh, this episode should be out on the 19th of November, where the gallery should also be posted today as well. So for those of you strange and crazy people who listen to the podcast of the gallery audio description rather than watching on YouTube, you've got double headed today. Andy and I'll be back next week with the RB update. See you all then. And thank you, Ed. Good night. Cheers. <laughs>